Hi guys, welcome back to the Teacher Cast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Haley Rice, very similar to my name. How are you today, Haley? <laughs> I'm great, Haley, and I'm delighted to be here. I'm really excited to get stuck in. Yeah, absolutely. We have the best name in the entire world. If anyone doesn't know Haley and I, well, we have the same name, but also our name means the hay in the meadow. And I don't know, Haley, if you know that. I actually didn't know that. I thought it meant hero or something. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Hay in the Meadow is kind of like, kind of reminds me of like a farm. It's not really, um, it's not got like a deep meaning or anything like that. Um, but before we get stuck into the episode, I would love if everyone could go over to the rate button on Spotify and give this podcast um, a rating out of five. And also um, throughout the episodes, there are questions and polls that are on on some of the episodes so if you want to get involved with some of them we might pose some questions throughout this episode and yeah that's I think all from me right now um so Haley, how are you today um if you maybe you want to share about yourself and um yeah I suppose I came across your Instagram page online you're a play therapist but I'd be delighted to hear um you share some information on that yeah, thanks a million. So where do I start? Um, yeah, I'm a play therapist at the moment. My training mm-hmm. is in child and adolescent psychotherapy. Oh, and wow. I've been working as a play therapist or psychotherapist for children and adolescents for about five and a half years, nearly six years now. Yeah. Um, and so I have a private practice and I would have worked in a family centre as well for a good number, about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, then I was a teacher. <laughs> so I was a primary school teacher for 10 years. Oh, my God. So it's like another life, yeah. <laughs> whole other career. And I loved teaching. Like, I think a lot of people think I'm I moved out of it because I must have got fed up or just, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't like it anymore. But it was definitely not the case. Um, so I absolutely loved it. I always taught junior and senior infants. They are my people. And <laughs> I love the, the buzz of the classroom. Yeah. And I, I really miss it, actually. Yeah, I'd say um, so. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. All the little personalities that come along with infants. And I suppose, did you always uh, want to be a teacher, you know, as you were growing up? Like, was that something that, you know, like, you know, a lot of teachers say, oh, I've always, you know, as far back as I can remember, I want to be a teacher. Was that was that your case, Hayley? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I If you had asked me when I was like seven, eight, nine, all the way up, I would have said I want to be a teacher, mm-hmm. want to be a teacher. I think I just idolised my teacher yeah. and I had really lovely teachers and I, I went to a gorgeous school in Wicklow Town Aww. and it, it was just, it was all girls and it was very nurturing place. Yeah. So I always wanted to be a teacher and then that kind of changed then when I was in secondary. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was a bit lost then when it came to leave and start and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um. So I didn't actually apply to teach at that stage mm-hmm. and I went to, I ended up going it dip sky blue <laughs> picking a course yeah and I went to UCD and I studied social sciences oh, nice. so I was thinking maybe I do social work that mm. was kind of my aim yeah and so I did like social policy sociology and um politics those kind of things yeah and I really didn't like it to be honest but I yeah. stuck it out mm-hmm. I, I did my three years but I just enjoyed myself but I didn't yeah. like the course and I knew I wasn't going to do that yeah, um, very same with me. I did sociology and geography yeah. and Guelga and like that. I just saw I wanted to do primary teaching, had it on the CAO, didn't get the points, but like no. that, didn't love my undergrad, but saw it as a stepping stone to open yeah. other doors that come after that. So it's very similar. Yeah. I'm so glad I stuck with it because I know a lot of people would would have said, well, look, if you don't like it, stop your course, or whatever. Mm. But I actually am so glad it, it flew by. It was three years. I was yeah. so young. Yeah. 
and it was done. And then from there, actually, I remember I I was working in a sandwich shop at the weekends and stuff <laughs> and after college. And there was somebody there saying, you know, if you if you have a degree, you can teach um, secondary school mm. and it's like this much an hour. And I was like, what? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started subbing and I was wow. teaching in secondary school with no, like, no experience. Nothing like this was allowed back then. Like, I'm showing yeah. my age now, but... Um, no, it's still allowed <laughs> now. With it. If you have a level eight degree, you can sub. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah, they yeah. stopped it. Yeah, no. I thought they stopped that, but oh, it's maybe from COVID, is it? Well, now, like, I mean, there's um a huge demand for, for teachers due, due to COVID, but also the colleges aren't uh, training up the same, like they're training the same number of students at this now, but also the the population is growing. There's more schools now. They're trying to cut class sizes. So there's actually a demand for more teachers. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I felt very out of my like window there, like yeah. in that in that time when mm. I was teaching in inverted yeah, commas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was pretty crazy. But that I, I realized then when I was teaching and when I was kind of getting into that school life and and, and the flow of the classroom that I really liked it. So that's mm. when I started subbing some primary. And when I was certain that I definitely wanted to do it, then I went and did my Hibernia and did all that. Yeah. Do you know, it's actually yeah. gas that you say that you've taught in secondary schools and primary schools because, you know, sometimes like, you know, people that are in those, you know, that kind of gap in between finishing their degree and wanting to go on and do a master's, they're like, oh, I don't know whether to pick primary or secondary school. And like, mm-hmm. uh, I've never come across someone who's taught in both levels. So Haley, <laughs> you're actually the first person there. I'm sure there's many others as well. But yeah. like that, I think, you know, if you are confused, about what age level you'd like to teach um I think definitely subbing is is the right way forward so you went on then to do Hibernia was it yeah did Hibernia uh loved it made some great friends we're all still friends absolutely really loved it like it was so hard but I loved the course and I knew I was like I'm gonna love teaching you know Mm, I was so I was delighted I found something I actually really liked and yeah from there I I started teaching I actually was on maternity contracts back to back while I was doing Hibernia so it was very busy like very you are now on. kind of like you're working all day and then you're doing your dissertation you're doing everything yeah. at night or whatever um it's and long. then I wasn't long finished and I went to to Dubai and lived there for four years oh wow yeah so I was teaching over there um junior and senior kind of age groups mm-hmm. in two different schools Fab. um so yeah, it was brilliant because I kind of thought, oh, I've got the best of both worlds here with teaching. Like I can travel mm-hmm. and be paid really well, yeah. tax free, all that. Yeah. And then I can come back and slip into a job again. So yeah, it's yeah. it's such a great career for that for if totally. you want to travel. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's um that's very true. Like I I've done well, I used to live in Toronto and I I want I knew I wanted to come home and do Hibernia and I actually on top of my full-time job I was a mortgage administrator and in the evenings I used to go to children's houses and like tutor them in English and maths Mm -hmm. and that was my kind of professional development to try and get into Hibernia because let's face it it's competitive to get into I didn't get in the first time but I suppose that's a whole other that's a whole other episode actually 
Yeah. I didn't the first time either. No, yeah. and, you know, the best of us don't. Um, A lot of people, they have to go again. And, you know, it's hard to get back up on the horse and keep going. Mm, um, but I suppose, Hayley, today, I really want to chat to you about anxiety in the classroom. I think anxiety is something that, you know, people freely throw that term or that the the word around like oh like you know i i have anxiety or this is making me anxious or you know so like what is anxiety firstly and then maybe if we can you know um really kind of knuckle down on it in the classroom and you know how can we improve um the anxiety levels i guess in the classroom yeah so topical and it's so important um and it's something i'm hearing all the time i've emailed after emails this week even from schools asking me for help so it's definitely um something that's very prominent at the moment unfortunately mm. but basically anxiety i think kim kardashian kind of made that that phrase popular because she my yeah. anxiety right, <laughs> that was the yeah. first place i heard so it became like in pop culture like very um thrown around like you say mm. but actually it's our fear response system in our nervous system it's our you know our survival response and you know we all we need it's a fear response so we need fear we we have to have it but then it kind of gets too big like it gets really loud it gets out of control mm. um like dr becky kennedy she would define anxiety as uncertainty coupled with an underestimation of our ability to cope Okay. So when something arises that's uncertain, like, I don't know, you know, how this day will go, or I don't know, my friend talked to me in school, I don't know, will teacher give out? Plus, I don't know how I'll cope with that. It, it won't feel nice, then I don't want to go to school. All of a sudden, it's like that shutting down place. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of children drop into that. So whenever I'm treating anxiety in my practice, I have to look at building confidence and esteem, as well as regulating the nervous system. Yeah. So it's kind of a twofold thing. Yeah, the area I can just imagine is huge. I suppose how how do you assess someone for anxiety? Like how how would like especially for me? Like I'm studying to be a teacher. Like how how would I assess that? Or how would I would would it be best to like note down little things that happen when things happen? Um, you know, I I wouldn't no. know where to begin. Yeah, I think if you have a child in your class that's anxious, you'll know all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well maybe not always, but most of the time it presents in a certain way. So children, generally what I'm seeing at the moment, lots of hand washing, like overdoing it on the sanitizer. That's an anxious response to, at the moment, the COVID issue. Right. Or you have kids who are like, I don't want to go into school. Um, I'm not going in. I want my mommy. That kind mm-hmm. of separation anxiety that we'd see with junior infants on the first day and all of that. I had that. Um, <laughs> I remember my mom wouldn't, uh, my mom was crying, leaving me at the door. And I, yeah, I wouldn't eat my lunch actually when I was in junior infants, one fact. Oh, yeah. And when I was in, when I was back doing my first school placement, I was in the, I was in the school, I was doing my placement in, or sorry, I was in the school I was a pupil in. And, yeah. um, the principal is, was my junior infants teacher. The vice principal was my junior infants teacher. And she comes up to me in the staff room. She's like, Hayley, she was like, do you need a hand eating your lunch? I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, no, you're grand now. Like, I, I'm well, I love my food, you know, but like that was probably, I wouldn't say I was an anxious child, but in, in school and junior infants, I think that's, it's huge. Yeah. And it's that, it's that little bit of like, you were trying to maybe control, you can't control, control what the teacher says or what's happening or stand mm-hmm. up, sit down, but you can control what you put into your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of like trying to get a little bit of a handle on things. Yeah. That's really common. But some, like, I suppose, like 
I find what happens is our stress response gets activated. So mm. it's fight, flight, or freeze generally, right? Okay. So we actually, if, if you have somebody who's anxious in your class, you may find that they're presenting as really angry or they're having big tantrums and meltdowns, but actually what's underneath that anger is worry and fear. So mm. it can present like, it's quite confusing at times. It's, it is about noting down or tuning in and kind of doing a lot of observation mm. Um, and then for other kids, they might be in that freeze part mm-hmm. where they're very withdrawn. It's like they're daydreaming. Mm-hmm. And, and if you say, go on, go on, try there. You haven't done your sentences. And they're like, uh, uh, and it's like stuck. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. try. I'm afraid to even try because I'm so worried, you know. So right. it's 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 kind of it is hard to spot. Yeah. But I think most teachers that I speak to are when I'm doing webinars for the education centers and stuff. Um it'll be very obvious because teachers will kind of go, oh, no, I have a kid who's crying and won't come in mm. or, you yeah. know, won't play in the yard or doesn't want to leave my side, mm. that kind of thing. So, yeah. I suppose at the moment, like, I'm subbing with a fourth class and like that, I, I'd i say to them, you know, come on, like, this is your chance to write creatively. Like, get something on the page. Like, doesn't matter if it's wrong. Doesn't matter if it's right. Like, let's just write, mm. you know, let's just use the words we have and get something on the page and like that like they always want to get it right and it's like Mm. how are we ever going to learn if we don't get it like not everything wrong but you know this is our first draft it's like I see it a lot when it comes to writing pieces they all they want to know what goes on each sentence and teacher really has to write everything on the board and take it down take it down like no like because I'm all for you know the children going off and being creative and doing things and that's something that's really really difficult and I think especially with you know like that the, the lockdowns and stuff those middle classes are really really struggling because they've gone from you know infants early you know the younger group ages to their senior groups where there's this gap that the they're still feeling like they have to hold their hand yes know? absolutely i really feel though that age group i think kids who had to transition from uh preschool to juniors or from sixth to first or like that from junior senior infants to first class mm. um is just they've really there's we need to help them bridge the gap because they have lost out on so much and so much of the the, the developmental stuff and the socializing and yeah. playing and all that helps them then take a risk because you have to be able to take a risk and go oh, it doesn't matter if the sentence or the story is you know not making sense yeah. or our teacher says to change it it's grand they've lost out on that they've kind of they're holding firm and they're rigid a little bit more rigid I find yeah and like that socially as well they don't know how to behave in the classroom shouting Mm -hmm. things out when it's not an appropriate time or you know like I really want to hear what you have to say but just hold on to it just you know and it's like it has to be sudden it has to be right now (laughs) Uh, I don't yeah. know if that is an an, uh, an anxious thing. I think it's again like it's very hard. It can't, for for me anyway, because I'm not a play therapist or I'm not you know I'm not really that's not my field or I wouldn't have enough experience to know. But um, I suppose where does the like where does it get to a point where you need that extra support? Do you know when is when for as a teacher when when does it get to a point where you're like okay I need a therapist to come in and look or I need um play therapist in or this this has to be reviewed yeah I think it's it's that's a really great point and there will be a time I you know it's good to know that there can be a time when actually it's not up to the teacher teachers aren't therapists and if you've got 30 plus kids you're not going to be able to have to spend the time 
with the anxious child trying to get them in all the time or mm. trying to help them with whatever it is they're struggling with. Um, most kids, like if we frame anxiety in the context of COVID, they've had like that, they've they've missed out on their socializing. They've had a big, you know, basically in a child's mind, it's an invisible, a killer virus. Mm. You know, it's it's a thing of nightmares and children mm. have magical thinking. Yeah, so they've yeah. they've really embraced that. And I think it has kind of had an atmosphere of fear. Mm. We've also had them, their trust been broken with adults because we've said it's safe to stay in school. And then we've said, oh, actually it's not. And then we've said, no, it's safe to go in. That's oh no, weird. actually it's not. So it was incredibly incredibly confusing so um if we kind of frame it in that context you know most children now they're back to school and they have a routine and they have the predictability that is so safe that's providing a safe container for them most kids will adjust so if you have a child who's like maybe anxious from you know october september last year they should have adjusted back by now and if they haven't if it's prolonged if it's really intense, if it's very pronounced, you need to look at maybe speaking to the parents about getting a therapist or if you have a therapist in your school um, or getting some support from a therapist for the staffing, you know, because yeah. It, it, yeah, it shouldn't go on more than a few months really before you start to see improvements and children feeling regulated again. Mm-hmm. And would this be something that like set teachers would take responsibility with, like withdrawing the child and working with them? or would that not I mean, work I don't I don't really see that in the schools I like I kind of see the schools I work with that they're very um stretched on mm-hmm. staff and that mm-hmm. you know if a child is anxious they're kind of just unsure what to do that's why I suppose I think teachers think oh you know someone has to work with them do a worksheet or you know teach them a breathing exercise or I don't know do actually but a lot of things that teachers can do you don't need to withdraw a child and you don't need a specialist coming in there's so much research which is incredible around relationship and connection and that that's actually the key to helping a child feel the opposite of fear which for children is safe Mm -hmm. and safety isn't the removal of threat it is the 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 connection the presence of a connection Mm -hmm. so if you're finding like that a child doesn't want to come through the door or you know, is really reluctant doing things or whatever, trying to really enhance and strengthen your relationship with them mm. will let them feel a felt safety. So yeah. it's on a cellular level. Mm. Um, gotcha. That idea of felt safety in, is, is an absolute remedy for anxiety. Mm. Um, and I think that for me, the best tips I have or like the things that go down best um, and have the best results are that kind of creating felt safety through relationship and also um, introducing some playfulness and fun um, because children who are anxious are not in a fun mood <laughs> they yeah. are terrified and laughter loosens anxiety and yeah. playfulness loosens and it, it literally loosens it from our muscles <laughs> like mm-hmm. it literally relaxes the body yeah so when we can kind of engage children that does far more than trying to have like a sheet for them to tick how they mm-hmm. feel or do you know what I mean gotcha yeah I think um like when I think of a safe classroom environment I think of like nice things I think of like maybe like nice lights or something like I'd be very much into my like I I don't know if you've ever seen my desk space on mm-hmm. on my page but <laughs> I love having the different lights I don't know what it is it's just making it a happy place a happy space mm-hmm. like I have my pencil light here shining beside me but I don't know what it is but it's like all these environmental things that 
they're it's not explicit but it it does add to the environment so something like that could really help a child focus or make it more fun or having mm-hmm. lights or even having one of those like diffusers the smell that because mm-hmm. it'll create for me i maybe correct me if i'm wrong Haley, but i think um for me anyway that would make it much more comfortable place a classroom that's not cluttered or a classroom that's not all over the place like really organized and not too much on the desk because that's just it's just you can't think properly and you can't I don't know yeah and I think I think what you're describing there is that like nurturing and kind of um safe looking environment so the aesthetics like that the lights and all it does make a difference in the Mm -hmm. clutter if it's chaotic yeah children will feel overwhelmed yeah and so will teacher and that's you're not going to be able to be in a relationship and help them to co-regulate if you're overwhelmed yourself Mm. um but the other thing is like schools are generally providing that safe container just naturally because Mm. you you tend to like routine structure predictability is is what children like Mm. and that's safe because I know when I go in, I sit down, teacher always says to get your homework journal first. I know to do that. Whew. Like, so that it removes that uncertainty piece of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're naturally doing it anyway. So like, that's why, you know, if a child, like if you always do maths after break and you always then go to the yard and then you always whatever. And then one day you're going, oh, you know, the, the class next door is going to sing a song for us. Should we go in there? We're not going to do maths till tomorrow. And you have a child like out of control or like really angry and pushing in the line or something mm. that that's a for me that's a clue that they're actually like whoa my safe container has been rattled i don't like this yeah. i like it when it's predictable so right. the so safety part is like actually sticking to your routine yeah or letting them know in advance of changes gotcha um that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. i definitely think um in terms of, like I've worked with children with ADHD in the past and like that you need to set it up and I'd say it's the same with autistic children too like mm-hmm. set, letting them know what is ahead like when we get this done mm-hmm. this comes next and I've seen those little things on people's desks but even it's not even like the picture is like verbalizing it saying you know this is going to happen first and then this mm-hmm. um any tips then to like not like academic wise as in like any tips on building those relationships is that true having a conversation is that through um you know giving you know having mindfulness coloring time where people where we you know the children can chat like how do you build those relationships yeah it's a great question and it's it's there's there's two kind of ways for me and it's relationship with the teacher but also with the peers you're right it's it's with like the other interactions with the others but I think the the first one, is, and it's the one that most teachers are doing anyway, mm. it's that kind of the glance, the nod, the wink, the smile, that kind of checking in, you know, when you just give that child a little wink and you go, well done, or something, and it's not a big deal and you haven't had a big flow, full-blown conversation. Mm. But what you're doing is you're kind of connecting in, like sporadically and peppering it in through, through the day to make, that's co-regulating. That's mm. really helpful for the nervous system. And then like that, if you're interested and, if, if a child thinks like teacher likes me or if you're saying, you know, guys, what are you doing at the weekend? And one child says, I'm going to the playground after school. And then the next day or the, the Monday you say, how was the playground? Mm. Oh, teacher remembers me. She cares. So when they yeah. feel cared for, they feel supported. They feel safe. They start to relax. 
in the classroom. Yeah. So it's you can connect in absolutely with questions, with wondering what you're doing, with the little nice, um, you know, tap on the shoulder, well done, whatever, smiling. Mm. But then the other part of it is because um, I suppose humans were wired for belonging and we seek out connection. Mm. on a cellular level and our brain is always looking to mirror and to connect with somebody so if you're like at the top of the classroom and you know the child in the front kind of row or or to the side whatever is the anxious kind of target child you could be doing something really fun like an Irish song and you're doing actions Mm -hmm. and then I would position myself in front of that kid and do my actions kind of almost like it's one-on-one but obviously the rest of the class are doing them too. And you can move yeah. yourself around. But yeah, yeah. when you mirror and you do like your little song and you're smiling and you're delighting in them and they feel that kind of um, presence of your voice, your facial expressions, um, and you're doing the same actions together. So you're moving similarly. Yeah, That is kind of the, the kind of regulation that is experienced when we're babies when we're being rocked and smiled at and our moms are singing to us. Mm. So it kind of subconsciously triggers safety for them. Mm. And it also kind of ignites that cellular nervous system part of them that goes, oh, I'm safe because rhythm is um, rhythm and synchrony are one of the most powerful things to help with anxiety. Mm. So if we're rhythmically singing, dancing, moving, whatever, and you're, you're kind of focused on that kid, it's absolutely amazing the difference that will make mm-hmm. so you can do that like with you know Daryl Grady or any little songs and dances mm-hmm. you can do it just with like you know your clapping games yeah. like clap and respond we'll position yourself near them um and then you can do it any other class game like if you have what's the go noodle and stuff like that yeah and you get them on mm-hmm. again be beside that child or near to that child and try just feel the connection because that's the felt safety that I was talking about so I love I think the best way to do like play is the child's language that's Mm -hmm. how they make sense of the world that's how they communicate to us Mm -hmm. and if we can step into that playfulness we can really help them to just kind of feel like we get it and they're not alone and all of that yeah I actually use the go noodle yoga quite often and it has um affirmations in it as well it's like i have courage i don't know anyone listening to this that's used that go noodle they'll know it's like i am a warrior and it's like um all this affirmation as well and i find um you know well this is a whole other topic but you know having the positive self-talk can really add to it i don't know Haley, if you've you've much to say on that i'm sure you do because i think I think negative mm-hmm. self-talk, I see it every single day with children and it's like, oh. I can't do this. I'm like, no, you can't do this yet or this is too hard or I'll never be able for this. And it's like, you haven't even looked at it. Like You haven't even tried. No. And I think that's that's part of like, you know, the relationship part is really regulating and for that anxious child. But I mentioned at the start, when I treat anxiety, I always treat confidence and esteem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that kind of, that... um definition uncertainty coupled with your underestimate underestimation of yourself Mm. so if we can work on the underestimation of themselves as well as that relationship and playfulness and all that Mm -hmm. it's huge because um an anxious child will think like I can't Mm -hmm. I can't do it I can't write the sentence I can't go in I can't leave mommy um I can't be on my own without teacher whatever so like I think teachers are in a really unique and very powerful and 
yeah, really unique situation because you get to, you have such an influence on mm-hmm. kids. Like kids, the kids I work with, like love teacher. And I was like that when I was a kid. And it's like, they'll come and say, oh, teacher said this. Oh, teacher remembered that. Oh, teacher said to me, teacher mm-hmm. looked at my picture. It's like, wow, you know, the influence yeah, you have. Yeah. So like if if teacher is saying things like, good girl, that's that's nice, right? But if teacher's saying things like, oh, how did you think to mix those two colors together? Mm-hmm. I didn't know you were so creative. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So you've mentioned like, gosh, how do you think to do? So you've mentioned the child's process. Mm. And you've mentioned a characteristic creative. Mm. So you're praising that. And what you're doing is just being a mirror for them because you can see how great they are and how uh, capable they are, but they mm-hmm. can't see it. Yeah, so I yeah. love that kind of praise that's not on the outcome. It's on the effort. Mm-hmm. And it's also on the characteristics and traits that you see, like thoughtful, taking your time, helpful, um, kind, whatever, like focusing on that. And kind yeah. of, I think when we do that consistently, Mm-hmm. children really internalize it and they do like those affirmations really stick then because they do believe it and they have lots of evidence throughout their day mm-hmm. being reflected back to them that I, I am a creative person I am well able and I can give it a go mm-hmm. so it's it's amazing that um that kind of praising and just like I love affirmations I love the breathing techniques I love the meditations for kids helping them to be more present all of that really helps as well absolutely I actually um I was looking at I brought in a class into my because I'm working in a set role but I was working with a particular class and the next day I only had them for 40 minutes and I played a little bit of uh, instrumental music while they were doing their work and this class were so so good so well behaved and a child came in the next day comes up to me with an envelope and in the envelope was a card saying how um I really uh, impacted her day yesterday you know you know really positively by playing mm-hmm. the music and that teacher has never done that for them before and this was literally a half an hour and this child went home and remember that my dad was from England as well and drew these mm-hmm. gorgeous trees and we were talking about um you know Loch Ness in Scotland mm-hmm. and having those little little moments and creating those positive environments and you know, yeah. an atmosphere where they feel safe, I think, um, is really so important. And, and I, music is one of the best ways to do that, actually. Like, I just, yeah. that's, I, that's why I kind of went to the music and dancing as the first example. Like, it's mm. music can completely change the atmosphere. It's amazing. Yeah. Great way to connect as well. And you were saying there just about, like, you know, putting in a bit of a characteristic when you are given a compliment or, you know, like you said, how, how did you think of mixing those two colours? Like, mm. even when children are like, oh, teacher, can I... do you have a rubber or do you have a pencil that I could use and when a child turns around to the other child and gives them one I always Mm -hmm. say that's very kind of you thanks for doing that you know Mm -hmm. and they feel like they're they've just they've won you know they feel great absolutely like you can see the impact like when I remember that in the classroom if I was like oh wow well done like or whatever Mm -hmm. kids like they stand taller you can see the shoulders go back see them looking to their friends going did you hear that yeah you know and that's the that's the kind of impact we have as teachers as teachers have and then it's Mm -hmm. also you know if if you shout or if you say something negative it really lands and they can Mm -hmm. really that can so it's like wow Mm -hmm. let's try and keep it on the as much as as hard as it is some days let's face it um to not shout and do those things but it really does impact and it could be impacting the child that's more vulnerable in the class you know yeah absolutely I actually always say um is Miss Myers going to get cross for the first time (laughs) 
because <laughs> I, I, I never get cross um yeah. obviously you have moments where you're like disappointed but you're not I, I never shout I think uh, I don't think shouting is a is a good way just because if someone was shouting at me I it's not it's it's modeling positive behavior and how to be you know you yeah don't shout at someone else so I'm not you know what I mean so it's yeah, just modeling absolutely. it's all modeling and it's modeling with the anxiety as well like if if you know if or with any feeling I think we need to kind of help kids with the emotional intelligence stuff and we don't talk a lot about feelings after a certain age I feel like it's junior and seniors that do loads on feelings um but you can model like you know oh my gosh I'm so excited it's Friday I feel like butterflies in my tummy so naming how it is in your in your body and then we're like oh what do I need to do my body feels like it needs to move let's do a bit of go needle dancing ah yeah. now I feel really relaxed again now I can focus yeah so you've taken them through that you know feeling rises up mm-hmm. here's what I feel here's it in my body and here's what I can do and now I feel more focused yeah. so if you were to do that then like if you were angry or if you did have a moment of like I'm really disappointed you know I can feel like heat in my body like I'm getting angry with the class you know what I need to take a few deep breaths and a sip of my water mm-hmm. now now I feel better because I felt like I might have shouted there so yeah. that's that's really modeling your your experience yeah. and their um that's showing them emotional intelligence. They're yeah. much more likely to be able to do that to themselves eventually. Yeah. You know, when they have lots of experience of that. Yeah, totally. Hayley, you were a classroom, you were a, a teacher for 10 years. I'm sure you have lots of classroom tips and I'm sure they're going to be um kind, kind of slanted towards, you know, play therapy. But is there any <laughs> tips that you'd have for, you know, just classroom management or any like maybe even like classroom management strategies that work to help prevent, you know, anxious breakouts or, you know? I think like I can look back at it now and... I mean, it's a long time since I was in the classroom, oh, actually. No. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I have like specific tips, but like if I think about, gosh, what I wish I knew, mm. what I wish I knew when I was a teacher and now that I can kind of look back as a therapist, I would be my number one thing would be I wish I looked after myself better. Mm. My own voice. I always had a tonsillitis. I always was run down. I was always doing a million things yeah. and I feel like that made me very stressed and that impacted my class for sure. I wasn't happy bubbly teacher all the time because I was just after taking on too much or things were getting on top of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing I think is I, I think I'd have a tip of for people to say, don't worry what other teachers might be thinking of you. I always felt like if, 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 if my class were playing, because I was trained as a play therapist then in my final kind of years teaching. Yeah. Um, and I had like sand and water and dressing up and all of that in first class. Yeah. And there were some teachers who didn't think that was appropriate. appropriate. <laughs> um, and I fully believed in it. But I was very like, oh, I don't want to be judged. And what will they think? And I'd love for, for teachers to say, Look, just don't, don't bother with what other, other teachers do. Do your own thing trust your gut on it, know your class and, you know, stick to that stuff and not be bothered by like, if someone walks in and they're, you know, the class are busy or chatting, it doesn't matter. 
that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think if the principal walked in, I'd have to have them all neatly lined up and everybody perfect and yeah. not a sound out of them. But yeah. it's like, no, they're kids. They're learning. Yeah. They're going to be hustle and bustle. Yeah. And that's actually a good thing. Yeah, totally. You know? I actually believe that if um a teacher was to walk into my classroom, I would hope that they couldn't find me because I'd be so engrossed in the conversations mm. and building relationships. Yeah, I, th- I feel like, I don't know what it is, but if like if someone comes into my classroom... I don't want to be, you know, like obviously there's times where you're sitting down or you're, you know, fixing something on the computer or getting something up. Mm. But if I'm, I I like the idea that if someone came into my classroom, they wouldn't be able to spot me straight away. Like I I want them to try and find me. Immersed in it even. Yeah. And and I think the other thing is that I wish I'd done more of was really trusted in play Mm. and trusted in the learning through play, Mm. particularly because I was teaching younger years, but for any age group, um, when I started to do that, it was probably like my last two years of teaching. I noticed such a huge, huge difference in how kids were remembering things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like a learned off thing. Mm-hmm. It was like they remembered because they experienced it through play and they had a great time. Mm-hmm. And it also lightened the classroom because it can get very heavy and dead and like we have this to do come on to get your mats hurry 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 come on mm-hmm. we're late now oh ever who's done their sentences it's like where's the fun yeah these are children they're, they're living for a bit of fun yeah. and when you create a bit of fun and playfulness I just believe they learn more yeah and yeah. it's also just they remember more yeah. and they engage more and they enjoy yeah. but you'll also enjoy it like I I can remember literally splitting my sides laughing at the things that would happen in the classroom when I kind of loosened the reins a little bit and had the playfulness. Yeah, totally. And something I fully believe in myself um, with learning through play is teaching Gwilga through play. Mm. I I don't think there's... I don't... And some teachers don't believe it that way. It's the book, the book, the book, the book. And I understand that, you know, some some children buy the book and you have to use the book. But in a lot of schools now, it's a book rental scheme. And for me, like, I just think sometimes the book is just way too advanced. And it's like, well, why aren't you pitching at this level? It's like, because I can't get them to jump on the horse if they can't ride the horse. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you have to start somewhere. And, oh, like, you have you to know. start somewhere. Otherwise, what's the point? They're not learning anything. When I when I worked in Dubai, we had no books and no tables. No <laughs> and tables. I was horrified. I was like, well, this is a joke. But we did um, PYP, International Baccalaureate, um, which is a really well-respected curriculum. But it was all just child-led, discovery-led. We'd have big provocation days where we would provoke different kind of like, we could have ice, water all around. And then we'd ask the children, what are they interested in? What would they want want to learn? And then we would design, you know, hands-on curriculum play based around what they had decided on. Like, I mean... It was amazing. And I thought to myself, well, these kids aren't going to be able to read or write by the end of this, are they? Because they don't even have tables. But it was the complete opposite. Um, We did Jolly Phonics and all that alongside it. And we would have done like formal maths and languages and all that. But um, the main bulk of the day was all play and outside and up off the table and, you know, up out of the seat. Um, But like I had 17 in my class and I had two teachers like there was myself and another teacher so I mean you were the ratio you couldn't really do that here but I learned a lot I really learned to trust in play Mm -hmm. when when I was teaching over there as well yeah absolutely I'd say that shaped your your whole teaching style completely yeah Yeah. it did definitely 
I know you said there um, you were splitting your sides laughing with some of the experiences that you have. Is there any funny teaching moments that come to mind? Oh my gosh, so many. Um, so many fond moments. Like if I think about it, like I just miss it so much. Mm-hmm. But I remember I I used to, um, I had this child, they were asking, could they do a show? Um, you know, at break time. Oh yeah, and yeah. I, I, I mean, like at first, show. honestly, I'll be so honest. At first I was like, no, sit down, eat your lunch. Like we don't have time for a show. Like we have 10 minutes or something. Yeah. Like this is little break. But they kept asking, you know, and this particular kid was like, my dad's in a band and, you know, a tiny little lad. Like School of um, Rock or something. Yeah. And he was like, you know, can we do a show? And I, in the end, I was like, right, okay, everybody listen, you know, someone such and such is going to do a show. And I did a little introduction. I was like, welcome to the show. And then he started singing. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was just so cute, but so funny. Yeah, but like he yeah. sang it so well and the voice on him. And then what happened was like the crowd, the crowd, the, the crowd was going to say the class. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were like, they were at a concert. Like they went, you know, they were, they were swaying and clapping yeah. and just hooting. And mm-hmm. it was the funniest. It was like a concert. Um, yeah. So then of course, like the next break, it was other kids who were like, can I do a show? And I was like, oh, what if I started? Yeah, well, I show. have to say it was one of the best things I ever did because every break and lunch I had, you know, a couple of people picked out and every every day we did shows and they were just hilarious. They might gas. be telling a joke, they might be doing a magic trick. Yeah. <laughs> just so funny, such fond memories. Aww. But it was brilliant for them for their, you know, confidence and everything mm-hmm. as well, you know. Yeah, perfect drama. Tick the box there yeah. <laughs> during lunch break, but also gives their their yard time purpose too, to mm. come up with something or be creative or you know. Yeah, think. And I, like, it went down so well. I was only yeah. sorry I hadn't done it sooner. You know, yeah. and what it was a, so yeah. funny. That's a great idea, actually. Um, mm. have you got any quotes that you live by, Haley? Ooh, I don't know. Actually, do I have any quotes? Um, gosh, off the top of my head. It's okay if you don't. <laughs> I won't hold you to it. I feel like I do somewhere in there. I love a good quote. Do you have any quotes like in your office space or on your desk or in your book or anything that you'd look at? Or I don't personally. I, I actually don't have any quotes. Although um, one of the girls in my Hibernia class actually during the lockdown, she sent me, you know, the Charlie, is it Charlie Maskey? oh yeah 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 she sent me pictures framed saying like thanks for because i'm student rep and class rep for my group and she sent sent it we'd never met because obviously we were in lockdown at the time and she sent it to me in the post and has um it was something about like keep going or something i can't remember i have them somewhere safe because they're in my box uh, my behind my desk behind my desk that you know you see pictures of i've got all this stuff that needs to be moved to a classroom but um (laughs) yeah I wouldn't have to come into my head there as you're talking. Um, I remember like people, so I can't even remember where this came from, but it does stick in my head. It's like first people will ask you why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then they'll ask you how you're, do- how you did it. Yes. And, and that really sticks with me for the, the likes of like when I left teaching mm-hmm. or when I brought sand pits into my first class mm-hmm. and people were like, what are you doing? You know, but mm-hmm. I trusted myself and then people will ask me now like oh how do you how do you do that how do you get kids to engage or how do you it's like well that's what I was doing so I think yeah if if you have wacky ideas as a teacher or if you really get a good feeling Mm. um for something for your class go for it Mm. and then you know trust yourself and and people will adjust to that Mm. 
I think I think that I yeah I couldn't echo that enough like I think um you know we can't limit children's creativity and it's the same with teachers like every teacher teaches in such a different way and the broader it is the better because then children each year will have a different teacher you know or maybe a teacher for two years depending on the school and Mm -hmm. will be open to so much you know because if we all did the same thing children just Mm -hmm. get bored they get so fed up with doing the same things over and over and like that you know children might learn by doing so by having the sand they could Mm -hmm. actually create so much more meaning than not you know that's it yeah um Hayley is there anything else you'd like to share or say or ask before we we wrap up this episode um I don't think so but I, I feel like teachers nowadays like I think I'm in awe of what teachers are doing, especially through lockdowns and mm-hmm. COVID and the pressure. And like, I kind of know what it's like to have all like the assessments coming, parent teacher meetings coming, expectations, parents at your door. Um, I just think you're doing an amazing job. And I think teachers now, young teachers like you coming out soon and everything, mm-hmm. you've got to kind of be leaders and, and, and push the boundaries like that if you go to a school where they're like no we don't have play from this age group mm-hmm. or no we don't have dressing up for fifth class or no we don't do mindfulness that yeah. you do you kind of are going out there now carrying that torch and saying no well I'm going to push the boundary a bit or I'm going to be a leader and yeah. and we need um I think we need change in schools totally. with the anxiety with the kind of way we maybe some teachers are still shouting, they're still doing timeouts and stuff like that that we know don't work. Mm. So I'd love to really empower young teachers and say to you, you're amazing, go out there and do a great job mm. and fly the flag for, you know, whatever it is, you know, trust your gut and do things yeah. a bit differently. Yeah, I think that's really good because I think it's very easy to fall into a school and just do what everyone else is doing. But then, you know, in your heart, and so that you want to you want to go beyond and even for me like I've mentioned this I think on a few episodes or maybe I haven't <laughs> I can't remember um <laughs> but like I would love to, and like even children say to me all the time oh Miss Myers go you can type so fast Miss Myers go you just know how to work the whiteboard so well or and they they look at me and I'm literally looking at them as I'm typing because I've worked in offices and I tell them about my previous experiences that I've had yeah. like I was telling them I used to work in the Disney shop and build a bear and they were like Miss Myers go worked in build a bear like stuff in the teddies and I was like yeah and they were like what was that like I'm like it was just a job you know and they just think it's the craziest thing that Miss Myers go used to work in build a bear but like that like teaching them skills how to type how to code like I'd love to I'd love all that and I think um you know if I was in a well if I'm in a school I would love to like that push the boundaries and get them yeah get them doing other things that they might have never never get the chance to do again and um, mm-hmm. like you know other people might be musical or be you know a good drama teacher or dancing or whatever their skill is you know and um, mm-hmm. so yeah I think it's really important Hayley where can oh also just before I wrap up this episode with you is there anything you'd like to ask our listeners oh yeah actually like I'm wondering is if they have any questions like as in what is play therapy or how does it work or how could it work in a school that kind of thing yeah or how to get into it oh yeah how to get into it actually yeah how to how to make the big leap over from teaching to being (laughs) self-employed yeah absolutely yeah and like where to go and where to train we could do a whole other episode on that lord definitely that's a very common question I guess yeah I'd say so Hayley where can listeners find you 
Um, maybe over on my um, Instagram page. This is my name, Hayley underscore Rice. And I have Facebook as well, but I'm not as active on that. So Instagram is probably the best one. Have yeah. you got a website? I do. It's HayleyRicePlayTherapy.ie. Amazing. Thanks so much, Hayley, for joining me on this episode. Thanks a million.